This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome along, folks, to the AA Live radio show. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous program. I'd like to warmly welcome Chrissy and Tony this evening, also members of the AA Fellowship. Hi, guys. Hi, Jen. How are you? And uh, g'day, listeners. Nice to be here. Hi, Jen. Hi. It's good to be here again. Lovely to see your smiley faces, folks. Thank you. I thought we would start today with the Serenity Prayer. So let's all get together and uh, start that one, shall we? Sure thing. God, God, grant grant me the serenity to accept the things things I cannot change, change, courage to to change change the things things I can, can, and the the wisdom to know the difference. Lovely. And um, I thought, well, what I might do is just uh, share a little bit about what AA is and what AA isn't through our preamble. AA, sorry, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. Wonderful. Thanks, Tony. Chrissy. And now I'd just like to offer that our opinions are just that, opinions, and are not necessarily that of AA as a whole. So anything that we're expressing here are our personal opinions and not to be taken literally as AA. Wonderful, thank you. Hey, and how have you both been? It's been a month since we caught up last. Chrissy, what have you been doing? Well, I've been uh, just living life, really. <laughs> nice. Trying to stay out of, um, well, when I say stay out of trouble, just trying to live my life um, and working more on forgiveness, I guess, um, learning how to live more in the day. So it's always, you know, there's always a bit of work going on there. <laughs> but um, other than that, yes, life's been relatively peaceful, I guess. Lovely, that sounds nice. What about you, Tony? Oh, I've been busy, Jan, full on. I um, I don't know, it's been a blur since we've last met. I, <laughs> I've been busy just sort of, you know, with work and doing all sorts of things. Um, I sort of sometimes wonder how I had all this time to drink. Um, mm. You know, where did all the time go? Um, because, you know, there seems to be some days, I don't know, not enough hours in the day maybe, you know. So, But, um, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, yeah. Good, I have to agree with you. I wonder, too, how did I possibly find time to drink? I've been running around like a lizard drinking, but not drinking. <laughs> Alrighty, let's get ourselves going, folks. We're going to start with a reading this morning from Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. Tony, if you could start us off with that, that would be wonderful. Sure. 
Okay, so this is out of the big book, which is uh, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, main text. And this is more about alcoholism, chapter three. Most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think that he is bodily and mentally different to his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterised by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. We alcoholics are like men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralisation. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. We are like men who have lost their legs, they never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there has been brief recovery, followed always by worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree that there are no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but has not done so yet. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe that they're in this class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exception to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who is showing the inability to control his drinking can do right about face, and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows that we have tried long enough and hard enough to drink like other people. Here are some of the methods that we tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, Taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever, with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the list ad infinitum. Wonderful. Thank you, Tony. I do enjoy that reading, and I see myself in that last paragraph quite a lot. I used to go to the gym all the time, thinking, that's okay. I'm making up for the for the bad things that I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I used to I used to not eat lunch. I used to justify the money I'd spend and not eat food. You know, um, no wonder we get so skinny and starve at the end of, <laughs> end of, end of the um, end, the end of the misery. I can't say I'm skinny now. <laughs> no, me either. I've made up for it since then too, Jen. <laughs> That's brilliant. Look, we're going to go to, a, to some music at the moment, folks. I think we'll uh, start with a bit of Coldplay, which was chosen by Chrissy. La Vida Loca. I think she may be in the dancing mood.
the doors to let me in Shattered windows and the sound of drums People couldn't believe what I've become Revolutionaries wait For my head on a silver plate Just a puppet on a lonely string Or who would ever want to be king I hear Jerusalem bells ringing Roman cavalry choirs are singing Be my mirror, my sword and shield My missionary Thank you, Chrissy, for choosing that song. I do enjoy that. You're listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Right, folks, we're going to continue on with the reading on more about alcoholism. This is uh, Chapter 3, carrying on from where Tony left off. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Bar room, that is, folks. Try try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide. If you are honest with yourself about it, it may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Though there is no way of proving it, We believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. A man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control whatsoever. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. 
an exceptional man. He remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Out came his carpet slippers and a bottle. (laughs) In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital in the meantime. Then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, which was at his disposal, every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could therefore drink normally. But here is a man who at 55 years found he was just where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. Folks, we're now going to listen to an interview Tony uh, kindly did for us a couple of weeks ago with a fellow AA member which you may find resonates a little with the previous reading. So enjoy that, folks. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Kevin. I'm an alcoholic. Um, My first drink, uh, it took me a while to remember it, but my first drink was actually sitting on the lap of an uncle when I was just a toddler, and I was drinking wine coolers. You know, he was drinking wine coolers, actually, with ginger ale and wine, and it was a sweet wine and with ginger ale, and, of course, it's like soda pop to a kid. And... uh, that was really my first drink, and I know I was drunk because I was had to get off his lap and wander into the bedroom, slightly staggering, and uh, I heard my mother cursing at him because he'd gotten me drunk, you know, and uh, he was not the most reputable uncle, but anyway, uh, but I, uh, uh, the next big uh, drunk probably was when I was about 15, and uh, uh, I managed to get a hold of a half a bottle of tequila, and uh that uh, was a little much for a 15-year-old, <laughs> and uh, I, I, the police had to take me home. And I didn't remember much about the evening, but my mother said I came in looking like a zombie and uh, went straight to bed. So, and she didn't tell me anything about it till the next day. But anyway, that was that was the first, uh, and I was pretty much a binge drinker. Uh, that's that's the way my life went uh, after that. Uh, uh, weddings and things like that. Would you know? Any time you had a chance to party. Uh, it was it was a it was a drinking time, uh, and uh, I went. Uh, by the time I was uh, twenty one, I went into the service, and uh, I was in the navy, and uh, spent quite a bit of time after basic training and uh, and the uh, the schools that I went to. Uh, spent pretty much time at sea. And uh, the only time you can have an opportunity to get drunk then is when you're in port uh, because our Navy didn't have any grog uh, like other navies. And uh, so all we had was coffee when we were at sea. So uh, the, the in-port periods were a great time to get get, get loaded. 
And uh, of course, here in New Zealand, I was home ported at uh, Dunedin and uh, I was on Operation Deep Freeze and uh, spent a lot of time down at the picket station down at Latitude 60 South below Campbell Island. And uh, um, so the opportunity wasn't wasn't very great there to get to get loaded until uh, I was out of the Navy and working. And uh, uh, I, I still remember giving up smoking somewhere around age 28. But one of the things I did when I gave up smoking was take up drinking. Uh, I would go through probably a six pack of beer uh, every day. And uh, it gradually got worse. Uh, I, uh, I uh, started drinking hard liquor, whiskey. And uh, I really developed a taste for whiskey and enjoyed it. Uh, and unfortunately, it uh, got the best of me. And uh, I eventually went to work in a job where I was uh, uh, a station agent on the railroad. And I was on a shift where I was alone for most of my shift. Uh, we had an overlap, but I was alone for most of my shift. And I can remember working from uh, one o'clock in the afternoon to nine o'clock in the evening. And uh, I still remember every day getting up and saying, I'm not going to drink today. But uh, the stress of the job and uh, the uh, everything got to you by five o'clock in the afternoon. That was my lunch break. And I used my lunch break to go to the liquor store and buy my, buy my liquor. And at, by the time I was at that point, uh, I'd been drinking for several years, but at that point, uh, pretty heavily. And at that point, I was drinking vodka. I think all alcoholics end up on vodka at some point because uh, it's a nice, pure alcohol. That's all you want is the alcohol. And uh, you want to get your blood level up to a, the, 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 where you can stand dealing with customers and things like that. It's the right type of fuel. <laughs> the right type of fuel, I guess. And... Uh, but by five o'clock, I'd be at the liquor store. I'd be buying my uh, buying my liquor, and I, uh, I, I, it was uh, at that time I was living in Florida, and uh, it was fairly cheap uh, in Florida. I mean, it's not like New Zealand. Uh, uh, I could get a I could get a liter a liter of vodka for less than ten dollars, and uh, much less than ten dollars sometimes. Uh, and uh, I have to say, between five o'clock and nine o'clock, when my shift ended. Uh, I would have about half of it gone, and uh, and uh, and by the time I got home, of course, everybody would be in bed by the time I got home, and uh, I'd uh, pretty much finish it off before I went to bed myself. And of course, you know, uh, by going to bed at eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night, completely blasted, I'd, uh, I'd be, uh, 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 you know. Sometimes I'd wake up wide awake at three or four o'clock in the morning because all that alcohol turns to sugar in your liver and you get a sugar high in the middle of the night. And uh, I desperately have to have a drink to find, to get my way back to sleep again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> strange, strange thing. Uh, uh, drinking yourself back to sleep. And anyway, uh, sometime around, uh, I think around age 35, uh, I've been I've been pretty heavily into it for several years, and uh, I finally couldn't take it anymore. And my blood pressure was through the roof, and uh, my weight was out of control. And uh, I uh, talked to uh, uh, the pastor at one of the churches, a priest, and 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 one of the things he told me is that he'd been 
Uh, he, he spent a lot of his uh, early days as, as a priest uh, rescuing other priests from taverns uh, because, uh, unfortunately, uh, living a celibate life, uh, they get pretty lonely, and loneliness is the big enemy. Uh, I, I found that out for sure later on. But uh, the uh, I, I talked to him, and he gave me the name of a guy who ran the Metropolitan Alcohol Abuse Council in Central Florida. And uh, when, one day when it re really got bad, I, I, I called him up in the middle of the afternoon, and he said, uh, you want me to pick you up? <laughs> and I hesitated. He says, I'll pick you up. <laughs> and he came right, right to my place. And by the time he got there, I, I, I was almost unconscious by the time he got there. And he took me to a treatment center. And uh, the way it operates in the United States, you get 28 days in a treatment center. That's all the insurance will pay for, 28 days. They figure if you don't get it out of your system by 28 days, you're not going to. And uh, But anyway, after 28 days in there, I, I came out. I had gone to uh, AA a couple of times before that, uh, but it didn't last. You know, as soon as you start feeling good after a couple of weeks of sobriety, you think you're healthy again and say, oh, I can have a drink now. I'll be all right. And as soon as you take that first drink, that little switch goes off in your brain. You say, oh, I, I can do anything now, but what I'd really like to do is have another drink, you know, <laughs> and that's that's the way that operates. But anyway, uh, I, I, I spent the time, and I, and I stayed sober for 18 years after that. Uh, pretty uneventful. Other than the fact that uh, my wife uh, it was dealing with, uh, she had just finished dealing with breast cancer and uh, survived that. And, uh, and, and uh, when I, uh, after, about a, after about 13 years, I stopped going to AA. Uh, I'd gone to AA for 12 years pretty steadily and uh, made some friends and uh, did all the things I was supposed to do, I think. Uh, and, but uh, I, I gradually just kind of eased away from it because uh, it was taken up, you know, it, it would always happen to be a, a meeting at a time when I had something else going on or something like that. And then my wife uh, contracted ovarian cancer. And uh, she was, uh, she dealt with that for four and a half years before she passed away. So I was pretty busy, you know, being a caretaker and taking care of her. And I was also still working and still I was active in my church, uh, doing a few things there. And, uh, so I was, you know, sober and, and, and living a good life. Uh, it was, it was, it was pretty nice actually, but, uh, she passed away in 2003 and she passed away in January. And, uh, of course everything's busy around the funerals and all that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, a month later, and it was almost 18 years to the day, almost, a month after she passed away, I found myself, you know, alone, uh, grieving. Everybody else had gone back to their normal lives and everything. And there I was. My children were grown and gone. And I was sitting around with nothing to do and except grieve. And uh, I started drinking again. And that was probably the worst thing I'd ever done in my life. Right, we're now, thank you very much for that part of that interview, we're now going to go on to a music track, just so you can have a think about what that was all about, folks.
December 1st, 1955, our freedom movement came alive. And because of Sister Rose, you know, we don't ride on the back of the bus no more. Sister Rose, she was tired one day after a hard day on her job. When all she wanted was a well-deserved rest, not a scene from an angry mob. A bus driver said, baby, you got to get up, cause a white person wants that seat. But Miss Rose, she said, no, not no more. I'm gonna stay right here and rest my feet. Welcome back, folks. Thank you for uh, listening with us this mo- this evening. It's m- very much a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, Chrissy, I think it's your turn to go for it. Thanks, Jan. <laughs> uh, this is the uh, reading for today, or spirit lifter for today. Um, sometimes I find this is quite good just to focus on um, as part of my daily morning ritual, and it gives me something to work on as I go through the day as well. Gives me a bit of wisdom from the people that wrote the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Self-examination. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest or self-seeking motives. That's from Alcoholics Anonymous, page page 86. 
When said sincerely, this prayer teaches me to be truly unselfish and humble. For even in doing good deeds, I often used to seek approval and glory for myself. By examining my motives in all that I do, I can be of service to God and others, helping them do what they want to do. When I put God in charge of my thinking, much needless worry is eliminated, and I believe he guides me throughout the day. When I eliminate thoughts of self-pity, dishonesty and self-centeredness as soon as they enter my mind, I find peace with God, my neighbour and myself. Wonderful. Thanks, Chrissy. Now, I'd like to just ask you two a couple of questions. Just in regards to that, I mean, one of the things that we uh, do each day, one of our steps is to uh, learn to hand our will over to our higher power daily. And I'm wondering, how does this help you? Say, Tony, do, do do you find this to be a powerful thing for you through your recovery? Um, yeah, thanks Jen. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, well the answer is yes. Um, I, when I first um, I've always had a faith. I've always believed, you know, uh, in, in spiritual concepts but you know, when I first got sober I didn't really know how to talk to God and so it was a little bit sort of piecemeal but I found that the serenity prayer was a good place to start in the morning um, and that sort of has evolved into the daily reflections and and a few other readings I suppose that helps orientate my mind in the morning into a recovery type thinking. I mean I I had to realise too that I have addictive thinking and and it's always with me as well you know what I mean that that addictive Mm. part of my brain is always there Um, and so, you know, throughout the day I look for signs of um, of where that might be. I mean, you know, road rage on the roads, <laughs> uh, that impatientness is a good indication that, um, that you know, <laughs> I might need to reassess where my will is. You know, have yes. I taken my will back? Um, you know, and I often find in certain situations if there's an impatience or an intolerance in me, you know, that's a good indication that I'm not accepting life on life's terms. Um, that, that you know, there may need to be some reassessing of where I am in the picture. You know, like everything, I'm a human being, I make mistakes. I'm not trying to, um, for an instance, say that, um, you know, life runs smoothly on a daily basis. But I do find that, you know, when I hand my will over to my higher power, there is that break where I can actually be a human being you know what I mean I can I can work out where I am and I have redress when things go wrong you know um, you know as an alcoholic I felt like I was constantly saying sorry to the people in my life you know I was constantly mm-hmm. on the wrong foot and I don't necessarily uh, believe in the word sorry these days I see the word sorry as an action you know if you are truly sorry then, then an action will go with it, you know. Right. Um, so on the basis of my recovery, I don't drink today. I'm not going to have, I, you know, my my means is that uh, that I don't drink. You know, today I'll, I'll be having a, and I will have an alcohol-free day. <laughs> um, you know, um, but that's my action. You know, it's my base action to the behaviour in, 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 in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but on top of that, you know, I have redress. You know, if something goes wrong, I can talk about it 
and on we can find a solution. Usually it's a we, usually another human being is in the mix, you know. Um, I, I don't find uh, places and things um, so as, as hard to navigate as human beings. Um, <laughs> but, but again, you know, it could be the car might break down, you know what I mean? Um, you know, things, you know, go wrong. Um, yeah, but for me it certainly helped. I think, you know, as an active, active alcoholic I was intolerant. Um, there were some attitudes that I did have. I was belligerent. You know, you couldn't mm. tell me anything. Um, you know, um, passive aggressive. Uh, there were all sorts of traits that were were not so hiding in me and hiding. Um, where, you know, living in recovery is a different mindset. It's a different way of thinking. And I often think, you know, um, if I'm under pressure to get something done, then I'm often living in alcoholic thinking or or. Uh, addictive thinking. There is time for all things, you know, and it's yes. and it's time to step back. So that's sort of, I guess, my basic take on on the higher power thing. It's nice to know that I'm not in charge. That actually, I haven't got all the answers, and I I tend to want to lean on the spirit of the universe or God or however you know you perceive a higher power. Um, it's nice to know that I can rely on as opposed to pretending I've got all the answers I have to agree there I, I found it a relief such a huge relief to to connect with my higher power that I could hand that over my will over each day and feel that I didn't have to be in control I was a control freak yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of my uh, yeah I was always in positions of, of control uh, so it's been a, such a relief what about you Chrissy do you find that the handing your, your will over each day do you find that something necessary for you to do every day yes definitely and at the start I found it a bit difficult um, and I think that sort of went with my insidious um, well it's an alcoholic trait it's that um, insidious um, selfishness that I have and um, I just wanted to have everything my own way and everyone to do what I wanted um, mm. and I didn't realise at the time that I actually had an amount of control in me because you know at first I, I handed my power over and my will over to my higher power at first I thought oh but it took me ages of practice, really, to hand myself over completely. Mm. Um, like I think I'd, I'd think I'd handed myself over, but then I'd take my will back, and I. It was usually around um, some kind of situation, or usually some person, or something that was happening that I wanted my own way with, and I, that I looked at as a problem, but. And how I knew that it was different for me was when I handed it over, I no longer had to worry about it. You know, sure, um, it was still there, but my higher power had it. And they I just trusted my higher power to sort of guide me mm. as far as that went. And then I could forget about it, and I had a lot more peace. And it was like a, a form of acceptance, really. Yes. Um, and... Sometimes, you know, I haven't, I've gone, oh gosh, you know, and I don't see how what how higher powers sort of, you know, higher power helps me, but not in the way I, I expect him to, you know. Um, 
I'll think, oh, yes, I'll hand over. And, and I'll still have on the back of my mind, you know, some kind of expectation or something. But sometimes it doesn't work out like that, you know. And that's where going with the flow and trusting my higher power, which took a long, lot of time to build up. Like, it's not something that you just... It's something that you, that comes over time, well, deepens over time, I think. Yeah, deepens and, is a good word for it. And the trust is something that... Um, once I'd handed over to higher power and I became to have more of a personal relationship with my higher power that I began to have more of a trust in my higher power to run my life and when I looked at my life and when I'd been really hell-bent on getting my own way and things like that sometimes it didn't really work out that well (laughs) so you know, I'd end up getting myself in all co- kinds of um, problems when I would have been better to speak to my sponsor or hand it over. And I like an AA that we can hand over or we can let go and let God, you know, and there's just such a freedom in that. Just being able to, it's like, whoosh, it's just gone, you know. Let go and let God. God's taken care of it. He's got it. And, yeah, that's that's just how I sort of think about handing over. I do it at the same time in the morning, um, well, usually when I'm having a shower. And that was sort of instilled in me by my first sponsor, so... Right. Yeah, you did sort of... uh, It's amazing, isn't it, that uh, the... I suppose I'll go back to that word relief. For me, it was, I have to do it. If I don't do it, it, maybe for a day or two, I've become too busy... I see the traits of myself so quickly about what I was like as an alcoholic again, that things get frustrating, I get anxious and and I can't, my level of acceptance just disappears uh, and I found that uh, to handing my will over every day to my higher power and your higher power can be anybody you, you know, it's a spiritual journey so it's yeah, we're not it, here to tell people. About, yeah, it's yeah, not a. God it's not organised religion. It's, no, it's not. It's um, and so that 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 spirit that I live with helps me every day. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's one of the loveliest things I've discovered in Alcoholics Anonymous, other than the people, actually. You know, the people of my walks of life that I would never have met in my life, that I meet every time I go to a meeting now, and it's just fantastic. Alcoholics Anonymous has removed my feelings of loneliness and being alone in this world. It's quite amazing. The bottle is no longer my best friend. I love it. Okay, folks, we are going to listen to a bit more of Kevin's story from uh, Tony's interview. So enjoy this, and uh, hopefully it uh, helps with a few people. I... uh as I said, my wife passed away, and uh, being alone is, is, is probably the worst enemy of, uh, you know, what they say, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And lonely probably was the big one for me uh, because uh, I was really alone. And uh, I started drinking again. And even though I knew I was powerless over alcohol, that was right foremost in my mind. And uh, at that point, I was in, in such grief, I really didn't care. I mean, I was married for 36 years. I, I really loved my wife. And uh, uh, so, I, you know, I, 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 I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to get some relief somehow. And I, and I started drinking again. And I drank for several years, actually. And, uh, and that several, and it, and it immediately got just as bad as it was. Before, you know, it didn't take a week 
And I was, you know, back up to the normal, you know, liter of liquor a day, you know. And I was trying all sorts of liquors that I'd never tried before, just to be different, you know. Uh, and and, and uh, But I was back up to practically a liter, a liter of liquor a day. And there were some stretches there where I'd go for a week without eating and uh, end up in the emergency room in detox uh, because uh, I was... Uh, Everything was out of whack, and uh, and I couldn't I couldn't eat, I couldn't uh, sleep, I couldn't do anything. Uh, it got pretty bad, um, and I tried going back to AA a couple of times uh, in those in those few years. I uh, sometimes I would go in and sit in a meeting, and of course I'd be ashamed that I what I'd done to myself, uh, and uh, that's probably the worst attitude to have, you know, I mean, people are, you know, AA is probably the most welcoming outfit that I've ever <laughs> encountered. I uh, I always said, uh, you know, one of the things, there's a there's a neat little gospel passage in Matthew uh, where, where Peter asks Jesus, you know, Peter thinks he's being very generous. He says, how many times should we forgive? Seven times, you know? And I come from a country where, you know, three strikes and you're out, you know, I mean, <laughs> And uh, Peter thought he was being very generous, and Jesus turned around to him. He says, "No, seventy times seven. In other words, you don't stop forgiving. And the only place I've ever found that happening was in AA. You know, no matter how many times you go out the door, they're always welcoming you back. They're hoping you this time you make it. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, but I didn't have that attitude. I I was ashamed of myself, and uh, I. Uh, I did uh, admit it once uh, in, in a meeting. I picked up, a, they have, they use a poker chip over there and a white chip, which is imprinted with the AA hotline on it, you know, and they give you that when you, when you decide to take up their way of life. And uh, I did pick up a white chip once. And, uh, but uh, I, there, there were, there were periods in there when I'd be sitting in a meeting and not paying attention or anything and just sitting there all frustrated and angry and, and whatever. And, and I'd get up in the middle of a meeting and go to a liquor store. It's terrible. <laughs> so it's, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not a cure-all. I mean, you have to, you have to put yourself into it, you know, kind of thing, you know, <laughs> you have to give it some of your own, you know, they're not going to fix you. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I, I, I had real problems with that. I came back to New Zealand after my wife passed away. She'd been gone about three years. I came back to New Zealand, and I found a, uh, lo and behold, I didn't realize it was going to happen, but I found a, a lady that I had I'd known while I was here in the Navy, and uh, uh, and uh, she had been widowed longer than me. Uh, and uh, that's why I'm in New Zealand now, because uh, the relationship developed uh redeveloped i say we should say because we had we had a nice relationship while i was here in the service and uh, the relationship redeveloped and uh, that's why i'm here now because we got married in 2007 but i did make her life miserable for a couple of years uh because she didn't know i was an alcoholic and uh she liked you know she liked she still does she still likes her glass of wine in the evening sometimes and stuff like that and her and her friends, she, sometimes she goes over to her friend's house and I go along too, but she, her and her friends sit and have, a, you know, a couple of glasses of wine and chat for, for hours on end. And I, I talk to the husband and uh, sometimes he has a drink too, but I don't drink and I don't drink anymore. And that's, that's just the way it is. And everybody knows that. Everybody, one of my friends know that I don't drink anymore and it's fine. But um, because I can't basically. <laughs> uh, 
but, but uh, anyway, uh, that, that's I did make her life miserable for. And I, I the, the the thing that triggered me uh, was I had drank a couple of bottles of wine. I wasn't living here uh, in the uh, Dunedin at the time, but I drank a couple of bottles of wine, and uh, the neighbor reported that there was a body laying on the driveway. And the body was me. And so uh, St. John scraped me up off the driveway and took me to the ED department at the hospital. And I woke up not knowing how I got there or, or where I was. And uh, But uh, that kind of was a trigger. And uh, I said, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't make this woman's life miserable. I did it to my first wife for... For uh, we were married for 36 years, and, and uh, I, I was sober for the last 18 of them. So I figured uh, I made proper amends to my wife for the for the misery I'd caused her. But I wasn't going to do that to this this lady now, and uh, so I, uh, I I quit. <laughs> I uh, started going to AA. Uh, I went to uh, the ACADS people and talked to them, the counselors there, and stuff like that, and. Uh, uh, Started going AA pretty religiously, and uh, I got a sponsor, uh, and uh, and I just had a little reunion with him. I was up in the other town. Uh, I'm not going to talk about where where I was, but I was up in the town where I used to live, and uh, we had an old reunion, and we're still good buddies, and we're glad, real glad to see each other and everything. So it's nice to make that little reunion, but. Uh, I've made some wonderful friends in, in, in AA since, uh, you know, since I've been back at the program. There's a lady in the, in the States that I still uh, email back and forth to. We're on politically on opposite sides of the fence, but on AA, we're right, right up together. And uh, she always ends her sharing with a grateful alcoholic will not drink. And that's true. You know, if you are grateful, if you have gratitude for the life that you've been given after, you know, you, you get sober... I mean, it's wonderful. You really, uh, you really are grateful. And uh, I've even found a, a found a, a network on online called gratefulness.org, you know. And that's all they do is put put in there things that you should be grateful for. And I, I I tend to make a gratitude list, not not physically, but mentally. I do a gratitude list just about every day of what I'm grateful for. And uh, most of all, I'm grateful for AA uh, because uh, it's really uh, it's really given me a new life, uh, a life worth living. <laughs> um, I don't know the alcohol. Uh, the alcohol is just something you can do without, you know. I mean, it, it, uh, I, I don't I don't fault anybody for for having a, a social drink now and then. And, and like I said, my wife has her glass of wine. But when, when, when we're talking about that, your wife has a glass of wine, and that's all it is. Yeah. It's a pleasant glass of wine. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and they get on with their lives. Yeah, it drives me nuts because she'll have <laughs> the second glass, she won't finish it, you know, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yes, and, yeah, that would and, never do for us, would it? Do. <laughs> I, you know, if I was in a bar and there was a bunch of people who hadn't finished their drinks, I'd go down to the bar and finish it for them, you know? <laughs> and the only thing I can do to, to mediate that, to cure it or whatever, or to keep it from killing me is to stay away from alcohol and I do that and uh, that, that uh, it's, my life is great <laughs> people share these things with me you know I find these things at meetings and when I get them I, I, I have to write them down in my big book so, I can, so that I remember them and one of the things is uh, we have to give up hope of a better past <laughs> 
because you know regretting the past and all that and whining about stuff that happened in the past that's going to get you drunk again can't do that give up hope <laughs> um uh, uh no one's too dumb to it for aa just too smart <laughs> yeah i was too smart my oldest son was too smart uh, he passed away last october my oldest boy and um uh, he was uh heavily into uh, prescription drugs because he was on a disability and he was in a lot of pain most of the time. Uh, and, uh, it, uh, and he also struggled with drinking and he didn't, he didn't drive. And uh, he had one guy that was taking him to meetings for a little bit, but the guy, the, the guy was probably not, not the best candidate for, to, to deal with my son. But uh, uh, he was, uh, uh, anyway, uh, he was found dead last October. And, um, uh, it's probably alcohol and drugs that killed him. And, um, uh, anyway, uh, my big regret is I haven't been back there to have a funeral for him or a memorial service and, uh, to, uh, inter his ashes. And I'll have to do that when I get back. Um, uh, just because you got the monkey off your back doesn't mean the circus left town. Yeah. <laughs> That's another one. Yes. Uh, some of these are, you know, some of these are unique to me uh, being here. It says when you're born, you get a ticket to the freak show. Yes. In America, you get a front row seat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, last, know, the, the, the last four years should have told us that, right? <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not okay. go. I, I just know that you've written, I can see this in your big book. And yeah. uh, for those that don't know what the big book is, it's Alcoholics Anonymous. So I know that it's, it's obviously resonated with you. Uh, you've taken the time to write these things down. I did, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've listened to other people that have this, the same story. You know, it's uh, always the same, you know. You know, you start drinking a little bit, you know, and you're having a good time and it's having fun and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And, and yeah, it's great. You feel like you can do anything when you when you mm. have a couple of drinks and you can talk to girls even. You know, I, that, when yes. I was in high school, you had to have a few drinks before you yes. talk to the girls. Yes. We used to go to a dance uh, every week and, and uh, we always had to stop and get our beer before we went to the dance. So if you had two or three beers in you, when you got to the dance, you were able to ask a girl to dance or something like that. You know? <laughs> Teenage boys are like that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, Jen, that brings us um, probably to the closing acknowledgements. Um, and we just want to remind our listeners that if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. Um, and our contact details are 0800 AA Works, and the number is 0800 229. Six seven five seven. If you need to reach out and have a chat to anybody, just ring that number. There's always someone on the phone. AA Otago Intergroup. The web address you can go online for this is aaotago.org.nz. Post um, to AA Otago Intergroup, PO Box six one one five, Dunedin North. Dunedin 9057 New Zealand website is aa.org.nz Folks, I'd like to thank you both for coming in this evening. I love getting together with you two. It's a lot of fun and uh, 
Even though we didn't get up and dance this evening, I did get my toes tapping with the music choices. So thank you for being a part of this show this evening. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, folks, we uh, look forward to uh, having your ears on when we come back. Uh, So we're going to close out with a song now from Simple Minds, and this is Tony's Choice today.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.